This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be at this lovely time at, uh, on a holiday weekend, Memorial Day, and um, it is a lovely day here in Southern California, and I know that in Florida it's raining, <laughs> so I uh, hope it's not snowing anywhere, but anyway, uh, so, but in Texas, did you see that story about the hail? These hails the size of softballs, so uh, yeah, it's kind of strange what's going on in, our, uh, in the U.S., hoping that some of you might have an opportunity to get back to work. As I know, some states are opening up a bit. I know here in California, the restrictions are easing up. We're going to just have to, hopefully, the people are still smart, still keep your faces covered in social distancing and um, no unnecessary contact, et cetera. I know uh, where I'm working. By the way, I am working again. So for those of you who know anybody who is in Southern California, my arrangement has been fixed, modified, and I am now working at a wonderful hospital in West LA. It's called Value Vet on Westwood Boulevard. And I am thrilled to be able to see patients again. I mean, it's amazing. I have done really no marketing yet because it just happened about a week ago and I have been booked solid. And so I'm just uh, I'm almost afraid to start putting it out there on social media because then it's going to get crazy. But no, I am thrilled. As I said, I, I've missed the, the hands-on practice. I, you know, I'm doing my air vet. I'm doing my uh, sort of telemedicine, telehealth platform. It's kept me very busy. And I have a new product line. My Optimum is out and being shipped to my daily canine care. It's not that I've been busy. Remember, curbside is a great option. Uh, stay safe. Make sure you're wearing masks and uh, gloves if need be. But it's just, just still be safe. Don't, don't relax too much. Because we still, there's a lot we don't know, and the predictions are that we're going to have a second wave in July. I don't see it at this point, but then again, I'm not an infectious disease specialist. But if you speak to those that are, uh, they there's still a fear out there. Anyway, uh, we'd like to hear from you. We're here live, uh, as you know, every Sunday morning. So to get a hold of us, a bunch of easy ways. Of course, the simplest, the most old-fashioned, a good telephone call at eight seven seven three eight five eight 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 two. Once again. Area code 877-385-8882. But better than that, we have our Zoom channel. If you go on to the website, PetLifeRadio.com, you click on Shows, you scroll down to Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff is the official name, and then you're going to click on, you're going to see a link uh, left by Mark Winter, our amazing producer, and he is going to send you directly to our page right here, where I'm so used to using things like this now with my telemedicine, but it really is great. It, it sort of puts you here without physically being here. In fact, if you're going to go someplace curbside, make sure they're using telemedicine. Airbed is the best one, of course, but make sure television telemedicine so you can actually be in the exam room with your pet while your pet is being examined by your veterinarian, and yet you're still in your car. But the feeling is the conversation can go on. You can see, he can show you, or she can show you, you can look, you can explain, and it's just the best way to do curbside. So uh, write that down in your book that you want to do telemedicine. So as you know, I, I like to peruse the news. And um, some things that just came up, of course, interestingly, we know things are getting a little bit better. We're of the maybe 15 or so stories that I see and I, I share with you on our show. Normally, it's been COVID, 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 and now it's much less. So that's kind of good news. We're learning more and more. But we're, it hasn't escaped. We still 
have some things we're talking about. But here's one, FLUTD, feline lower urinary tract disease. So the drive point here, when it comes to cats and FLUTD, now this is what we formerly called FUS. So for anyone who is of the uh, older generations, you may have heard of FUS, feline urologic syndrome. And now it's called FLUTD because when you say the feline urologic FUS, that could include the kidneys. FLUTD, which is the common feline urinary tract disease, feline lower urinary tract disease. There's a key word, lower. It is normally the bladder and beyond. So those, it's not what's going on in the kidneys. It's not going on in the ureters, which are the little thin tubes that brings the urine to the bladder. It is the bladder and the urethra and the external genitalia where there is the problem. And uh, there are many, many potential reasons. And um, so first of all, the take-home lesson here, it requires immediate attention especially in males, because females and males can suffer from FLUTD equally, but the males are affected much greater because of the narrow opening at the penile urethra. And that's where the problems and the urethra plugs have an effect. Females, much wider opening, they can pass them. So they can still get FLUTD and still the same disease, but they are able to deal with it a lot more readily than can a male. In a male it can be deadly. I mean, it can be deadly in both, if if even a female plugs, but it doesn't often happen. So why? What are the causes? Well, we used to think it was all about diet. And now diet still, of course, plays a role. And it's not just the ash content, and which was basically the minerals, magnesium being a, a biggie. And it's not even the magnesium content anymore. What we're learning is it is the type of magnesium salt. It's the salt that induces a basic urine. We want the urine to be acidic, and that helps with the crystal formations, typically the struvite crystals, which are the most commonly ones seen. So we're learning so much more, and it's not just the diet anymore. Now it is stress. It's anxiety. It is obesity. There are so many other factors involved. So we have to be very, and just the the, the individual cat. So we've learned a lot, whereas a surgery had to have been done, and for years, This surgery for these males was called, basically, it's a a surgery that removes the end of the urethra called a PU, a perineal urethrostomy. And we had to do this to almost make the male plumbing into a female. And uh, that would help. But now, since we're learning so much more, we don't need to do the PUs quite as often. In fact, much, much, much less frequent because we're learning more about the other factors like obesity and diet and things that we can do to help these cats medically. But it is important to jump on it. Don't wait, because if a male bladder of a a male cat ruptures, that is extremely serious. Male cats versus male dogs, a huge difference. Male dogs, we have more time. We can open up, flush the abdomen, re-suture the bladder, fix it if we can, et cetera. In a male cat, it's much more deadly. So be very careful. Well, we also clearly know that the pandemic is putting a crimp in the veterinary client-patient relationship called the VCPR. And what's going on is obviously we're seeing less visits. Things that that are not of an emergent nature are being put off and being delayed. And even if you do come in without a really good telemedicine, you don't have that same social interaction with your doctor. So we're seeing a huge decrease in this established bond between 
veterinarians, their clients especially, and of course their patients. I mean, when the patient comes in, obviously the patient is being seen, but it's not, you don't have the same magic. When you're not there, when you're not in the room, when you're not able to discuss things with your vet, it does, you know, hamper the relationship, of course. And the best thing we have, as I said, is, is telemedicine using video chat, curbside, that could help. But, you know, I, I think that, I think it's so important to look for that type of relationship, that type of platform to use. Oftentimes, and I try to share this with veterinarians when I lecture, is that if I were to ask you, do you like your vet? Do you have a good vet? You're going to hopefully say, oh God, I got the best. And the truth of the matter is, really? Do you really know how good your vet is from a technical, medical, surgical standpoint? You might see the animal coming out with stitches, but you have no idea how well or not that doctor did, your doctor did in the surgery. So where we get that relationship is not necessarily through our medical or surgical skills, though the veterinarians would like to think it comes from that. It comes from the ancillaries. It comes from the relationship. It comes from the communication. It comes from how much does your vet love your pet? And so when someone says, oh, I got the best vet, what they're really saying is, one of my slides says, it's actually more important, right, as to how good a person you are versus how good of a doctor you are. And this, you know, I mean, I'm talking to veterinarians and it's true. And I know a lot of wonderful, technically smart veterinarians that are not as successful as they should be. Because if you don't have the ability to communicate and if you don't, here's another slide I have. It says, and again, you're going to, this should resonate with a lot of you, right? The clients don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there's no way, I mean, a perfect example. I worked with a, a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal board-certified veterinary surgeon for a number of years. He's probably, I would say, one of the best surgeons in LA. And people would come in and had a problem, a major problem, where it was a surgery that I wouldn't do. I'm, I'm a general practitioner, and I would refer to Dr. Leeds. And uh, they would say, no, we're sure he's great, but we want you to do the surgery. I'd say, you understand? I don't even do that surgery. I wouldn't do that surgery on my own dog. You got to go to see him. But what it is, it's that, it's that trust factor. So um, anyway, that's why I'm so concerned with this pandemic. Are we, veterinarians, able to work with you, our clients, who we have these relationships with, to maintain that relationship, to maintain that degree of trust? So understand that until we get back to normal, it's going to be a bit compromised. Don't blame it on the doctor. Uh, if you have faith in them, you have trust in them, you got to believe them and keep it going. But if you don't have that relationship with somebody, really a good one, then uh, it might be some, might be think about switching around. Ask your friends. It's funny. I'm going to add this because I'm amused by it. So I will talk to a, a client on AirVet and um, I'll say, so who's your primary? Uh, I don't, you know, I just go to whatever the hospital is and I see whoever they, and for me, that is so foreign. If I ask you, any of you have children, okay? If I ask you who your pediatrician is, you're going to give me an answer in a second. You know exactly who the pediatrician is. I know not only my kid's pediatrician, I know my grandkid's pediatrician. So it's such a mind blow. You ask one of my clients, who's your vet? Oh, Jeff Werber. I mean, it's not even a thought. So it's such a weird, it's a change in focus that many of you out there are just basically going to the hospital and you're really not developing that relationship with a veterinarian where you could tell me, ah, I just see whoever they, they send me. Man, that's not, I mean, look, of course, do what you want. But for me, in my era, that would not suffice. I mean, I, I think the success comes from having that really 
core relationship with your doctor where they know you, you know them. It's almost like, I hate to say it, but, but they become part of your family. And uh, I'm not seeing that anymore. And I think it's a, it's a terrible loss for both you, the pet parent, and for the veterinarians out there, the young veterinarians. That bond is, is so essential. I will tell you, for kind of where I was in the last several months with my situation, had I not had the kind of relationship I have with my clients, I would have to literally start a practice from scratch. And now I'm not even putting out a word. And people, they're following up with me. They've called me. They've sent me the text. They sent me the emails. They, they've reached to me on Facebook. Doc, where are you going? Where are you going to be? I, I need to see. I need you to see my pet. And that's why I think it's so important. Anyway, enough of soapbox. Homemade diets. So the uh, basically, I've always had concern with homemade diets. I mean, I, look, if you do it right, oh, it's fantastic. The animals usually love it. And you get really high quality ingredients and you've got good quality food. But my problem is balancing the, high, the, the homemade diets. We don't know enough. I, I don't even know enough as a general practice veterinarian to know exactly how much to, what to put in. That's the job of veterinary nutritionist or a veterinarian who literally works with these food companies. But most GPs, and I'm being really honest, we get comparatively to medicine and surgery and diseases, we get so little on nutrition. Now, maybe it's changed over the years, but when I was in vet school what, 40 years ago, we were not getting this stuff. And so I always defer. I have a very good friend who's a board-certified veterinary nutritionist. That means he went to vet school. And then from vet school, he did another four-year residency in nutrition. He can put together food. Fortunately, there are some sites. There's one that was uh, mentioned called balanceit.com, B-A-L-E-N-C-E-I-T.com. And they offer guidelines and guidelines provided by board-certified veterinary nutritionists that could help you put together a well-balanced, including vitamins and minerals, diet for home. Uh, in fact, I remember I got a call from my niece once who was, there was a food out there called Pet Plate, and she wanted to know what I thought. It's one of these foods where it's delivery, and it's homemade, apparently, and it's in a, in a human-grade kitchen, etc. And I said, you know, I don't know. I've never heard it. Let me call my friend. So I called Dr. Ed Moser, who is my very good friend. He is an amazing veteran nutritionist. And I asked him about pet plate. And I went to the website and he asked me the first question, who is behind it? Who's doing the nutrients? And it was a doctor, I I believe her name was Dr. Renee Streeter. And he goes, oh, if it was Renee and she puts her name on it, you know it's good. Another board certified nutritionist. And he says, we are very, you know, we're close colleagues. We're not friends, but I know who she is. She's got a great reputation. And if if you have someone like that behind the food, then give your niece the, the go ahead. That's what it takes. It takes to know who's behind. So just don't do things for the sake of doing them. You got to do your homework. You got to do your research. Next, this is interesting. Something I learn something all the time. That's why I love these things. You know, as I told you, you the lesson from my mentor was don't be such a hotshot. You are a hotshot today, but you need to keep up. Every five years, half of what was known as gospel is obsolete. And we're learning more and more and more. This was interesting that cat's blood actually clots way faster than dog blood. So that gives them a huge advantage if bitten by a poisonous snake. So they say that the reason why cats can survive the bites of venomous snakes, especially if anti-venom is given, which gives them even more time, over twofold greater than a dog. I think that's really cool. So uh, anyway, before we go, before we continue, uh, don't go away. It is that time. We have to take a break in the show, but stay tuned. We have more for you. So we'll be back in just a few minutes after these short ones. If you're attacked by a bear, a dog will throw himself into the mouth of a bear to save you. 
dogs are dogs. They pour out their love onto you. Before long, you can't live without them. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur. He's about 120 pounds, and his name is Arlo. My little cocker, her coat's as soft as a stuffed animal. They're both real soft coats, and my dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. We'll be scooping our Dynavite onto the food, then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. Dynavite is nutrition. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. It's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. Welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff, where we're here on Pet Life Radio's Past Events with Dr. Jeff. And we're here for you, so we'd love to hear from you. If you, you Come on, someone must have some burning questions out there, want to know about their pet. Free advice. Can't, can't complain about free advice. And um, so anyway, give us a call, 877-385-8882. Better yet, join us here on Zoom. And you can always get a hold of me if you have any questions. If you are shy, you do want to appear with us. You don't even want us to hear you on a phone call then you can always send me an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com, and I will answer your emails. We'll probably even discuss your problem or your question on the show. If you like, we'll give you even credit, and we'll shout out to you, but we want to hear from you. So next up, this was good. Some of you might feel comfortable knowing this. A study at Tufts Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine that no human pet coronavirus transmission in a Tufts study. So what they did was they... They took all of their pets. They did studies now, 529 cases, which is a small number to start, but uh, there were no coronavirus and in any of these pets. So even the pets that the owners that had corona or had tested positive at one point, never anything in the pets. So the feeling is, is as we know, with no interaction. Ah, we talked about cats. Cats is a possibility of getting it from us, but in the tough study. That's how rare it is. And hopefully we're going to learn it's a lot more rare as we continue. But uh, anyway, this is just something to uh, be aware of. We don't want you panicking out there. That's the worst thing you can do. We don't want you getting rid of your pets because you fear that there is a problem. There is no problem with you and your pets. I have my many and my dogs are sleeping in bed with us. I am not worried. My cats are all over the place in bed on our couches, chilling with us. I am not worried. So. Uh, you shouldn't be worried. You know what? It takes me back to that story, and I, I believe we talked about this, of the Capnocytophaga. Capnocytophaga is that very rare bacterium that two people have had. There have been two reports in the last year or two where the patient, the victim, if you will, um, had to have arms and legs amputated. It is a very severe bacterium that literally causes gangrene, eats up the blood supply, and both patients survived but had to have limbs amputated very frightening. And it comes from being licked by your dog. And I remember when I was doing a study and I'm researching about this, because I'd never heard of it. I mean, this was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And um, 
it, that's how rare it is, or that's how stupid I am, one or the other. But I had never heard of it. And uh, it turns out that I spoke to a, a pediatric infectious disease specialist who has children and dogs. And even she said, my dogs lick my kids all over the place. I am not worried at all. So it has to do, first of all, it's so rare. Secondly, it has to do with the patient itself who has some sort of immunosuppressive disease or is on an immunosuppressive drug. So you'd have to put all the pieces together. It would have to be, everything would have to be aligned perfectly for this to happen. And uh, so as I said, the take home is if you have an immunosuppressive disease, if you are on medication, then it might be smart to not have your dogs lick you, but it's not, not common. Same thing with COVID. Don't get rid of your pets because you think it's a problem. For those horse lovers out there, we know that horses don't do well under anesthesia compared to most of the other animals that we treat. Their anesthesia risk is greater and their therefore anesthesia mortality is greater than most of the other animals we deal with on a regular basis. So of course, it's always tried to avoid it and when necessary. So what we find is what some of the diseases that require anesthesia most in horses are colic and orthopedic injuries, bone injuries. So thus, we try to be smart when it comes to these, these animals, even if anesthesia is chosen as the option to try to fix these problems, there's danger. And of course, if they don't, they're euthanized, which is obviously even more dangerous. But the risk factors are that the most commonly are being overweight and advanced age and the severity of the complexity of the disease or the procedure that is going into. So therefore, preventive care, smart husbandry, keep your horses just like any other animal. Try to keep them in good shape. Try to keep them lean. Obese horses are at a much greater risk. And there are certain things from diet, if you can avoid colic. So these are the things. So, so talk to your veterinarians, your equine veterinarians, about what you can do to keep your horses as healthy as possible. So if under the unfortunate circumstance they need anesthesia, they will have a much better outcome based on that alone. Another thing about COVID, the last two stories are COVID-related, if you will. Calls to pet poison hotline are dramatically increased during this crisis. And interestingly, what the, what are the number one question? Now, remember, the, the animals are home, so you're home too. So you might be noticing more things. That is a possibility. But except for you being home, maybe walking them more, maybe giving, you can't go to a park. I just can't imagine it's because of a problem happening with the animal. But where does the problem lie? Where are the questions coming from? Household antiseptic agents, household cleansing agents. People are so crazy, not, not wrong, maybe rightly so, about keeping everything clean. They, they're taking all those agents out. They're using them. They're wiping things down. They're wiping the pets down. They're washing their shoes. They're washing the walls and the, the handles. And therefore, the possibility of dogs getting a hold of some of these things is greater and thus the concerns. So be very careful. As I said, you're not wrong to take those extra steps when necessary, but you just want to make sure that you don't leave things out. Be very safe with them. Put them away. Uh, some of these cleaning agents can be deadly for your pets. So be very, very careful. And lastly, finally, this was good news for us in California. We've talked about the VCPR. We've talked about telemedicine versus telehealth versus teletriage and teleadvice that in most states, and I, well, in general, you realize that it is easier for a medical doctor, an MD, to talk to you on their telemedicine platform and prescribe medication and make a diagnosis. 
We can't do that. I think only two states so far you can. In the veterinary world, there must be a VCPR, a veterinary client-patient relationship in order for the doctor to prescribe something and make a diagnosis. Now, we can give advice. We can suggest. I can say to somebody, well, I can't tell you what to do with your pet, but I tell you what I did with one of my patients last week who had very similar presentation. This is what I did. They can draw their own conclusions. We have to be very careful with what we can say. In order to establish a VCPR, there has to be a hands-on exam within a year. And in order to maintain it, it has to be repeated at least once a year. That means for those of you who want to be able to take advantage of a telemedicine with your doctor, you still have to have your pet in at least once a year. Now, California, in its infinite lack of wisdom, the stupidest state on the planet, not only were you did you have to have a VCPR, but it had to be of the same condition, meaning that if I had a dog who's had a history of GI problems and I get a call about GI, then I can prescribe something. As long as I've seen the case pet within a year, I have the VCPR, that's okay. But let's say they call because of an injury. Do you realize I cannot recommend in California? How stupid. I can have, I can have a great relationship with my client, know the patient very well, see them on the app, see what's going on. And because I've never seen it for an orthopedic injury or muscle strain or a soft tissue injury, right? Or a scrape on the skin or skin allergy. I can't prescribe something without seeing the patient. That is ridiculous. California, you guys are a bunch of morons. But because of COVID, the only good thing that they did is they've extended the restrictions to now 18 months instead of a year. Gee, thanks a lot. But still, the fact that it has to be, of, you can only do it of the same problem. Oh my God. You know, that's what happens when you get to organized veterinary medicine. Most of the people making the decisions are either not veterinarian or they haven't practiced in so many years, they don't know crap. And it really pisses me off. So I'm getting very vocal. And the beautiful thing about having my show here is I'm in, in nobody's back pocket. I get to talk about anything I want. And if I get to blast my state of California for stupidity, I'm going to do it. In fact, I am. So check with your states, check with your vets, but do know that in telemedicine, the reason why some of your doctors, if you talk to a veterinarian that's not your own, it might be difficult to get a diagnosis or a treatment, but they can give you a lot of good information. So that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear how you feel about your states, whether they are as dumb as California when it comes to the Veterinary Medical Board and the De- Department of Consumer Affairs telling us veterinarians who are in the trenches every day how and what we should be doing. That's so frustrating. Um, Anyway, have a great week. Have a wonderful Memorial Day. Enjoy your day. Hopefully you can get together with at least your family and uh, barbecue. Maybe you could do Zoom barbecuing, whatever whatever it takes to have fun. Uh, And we will see you here next week, same time here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Have a wonderful holiday and a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.